This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for instant analysis here on the Bama Online Podcast. This time, following Alabama's 63-7 win over the visiting Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe, Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL. We're going to get into some thoughts on the Crimson Tide's latest performance. Alabama now 3-0 on the 2022 campaign. And on to SEC play. As much as it felt like an SEC game in Austin a couple of Saturdays ago, it gets real for real coming up next week with a visit from Vanderbilt and then the month of October. Highly anticipated with Arkansas on the schedule. Tennessee, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, a big month of October coming up. But first, let's talk Alabama ULM. Non-offensive touchdowns ruled the day for the Crimson Tide in its latest victory. Three times Alabama finds the end zone, courtesy of its punt return unit, one time on a block. That is recovered by Malachi Moore and taken into the end zone. Ja'Cory Brooks, he's done that before, hasn't he, when it comes to blocking punts. Uh, So he does a nice job there. And then late in the game, later in the game, Brian Branch, sort of a oh-by-the-way situation after Kool-Aid McKinstry had done so much of the heavy lifting there on punt returns. Brian Branch houses one. So Alabama with an excess of 260 return yards just on punts. Eight punt returns, 260-plus yards in returns, 33-yard average for the game for Alabama, 21 non-offensive points in the game for Alabama. And so we'll still start on the offensive side of the ball, though. Bryce Young, 13 of 18 for 236, three touchdowns, did have the two interceptions Second multi-interception performance for Bryce Young in his Alabama career. Just twice that has happened. Had the underthrow there early for Isaiah Bond that was picked off by Tristan Driggers, the sort of hybrid linebacker type for ULM. That was Driggers' third interception in three games. He's had one in each game for ULM so far this season. And then you had one on a high and hot throw there off RPO action that was intended for Ja'Cory Brooks. I think you could go both ways on that one. The throw wasn't perfect, but Ja'Cory looked like he could have maybe gotten two hands up, tried to go with the one-hand approach there in the middle of the field. And usually when that happens on a throw with that type of velocity, good things don't come as a result and so it was two interceptions for Bryce Young to go along with the three touchdown passes what I did like about Bryce Young and this ties into his receivers he got that yards per attempt back up there you know the first couple weeks of the season it was somewhere around five and a half and seven where yards per attempt are concerned he was back up there around 13 plus against ULM this week first time since the Arkansas game last November 
that he was up around 13, 14 yards per attempt. So that was good to see as much as anything. You wanted to see these Alabama wide receivers from the outset of the game, unlike Texas a week ago, where it took until the fourth quarter to kind of get those guys going. There was a concerted effort, I thought, and I wrote about this in the five predictions and also in the three matchups earlier in the week, really needed to get the outside guys going in the game. Bill O'Brien, the offensive plan, had that in mind, working with some tempo. Uh, You saw that early from Treshawn Holden on the 33-yard touchdown catch. You also saw it from Ja'Cory Brooks there on the 29-yarder. So good to see more in the way of explosive plays. Now, again, Bryce had some opportunities down the field, didn't connect with Isaiah Bond on the interception, missed Jermaine Burton by just a little bit on a deep ball late in the first quarter. So certainly still some things to tighten up where the downfield passing attack is concerned. And we talked about this before, you know, without a guy like Jamison Williams, the bucket gets a lot smaller on some of these deep balls. You've got to be more accurate. You've got to be more precise on some of these throws. You could throw it out there to a guy like Jamison Williams or in previous years, Devontae Smith or a Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, and they would just go get it. You couldn't overthrow those guys. You couldn't do it. Well, you can do it with these guys. They have nice size, and I thought it was interesting that we did see a little bit of a change-up in the pecking order there at wide receiver to open the game. You saw Ja'Cory Brooks, who I thought was very deserving of a start after his play late in the game at Texas last Saturday uh, to go along with Jermaine Burton working inside more early in the game, and then, of course, Treshawn Holden also there at the Z position. You did see Kobe Prentice. He rotated in there. Isaiah Bond rotated in there. One of the best things I saw, a couple of the things I really liked from some reserve types later in the game, I loved Kendrick Law's blocking. You know, it was a great, great individual effort by Jameer Gibbs on his touchdown reception there in the second half. I think it was the 37-yarder. Kendrick Law, that is the perimeter blocking we need to see more of from Alabama receivers that we hadn't seen enough of in the first two weeks of the season. He was tremendous in that capacity. I thought also Robbie Oots, you know, he felt the change to the offensive line on Saturday because with Javion Cohen going back in there at left guard and Kendall Randolph going back to the number 85 jersey at least to start the game and getting into the game early at the tight end position along with Cameron Latou, Robbie Oots felt that. You know, his role obviously became diminished with Randolph back in that sort of hybrid tight end and also offensive lineman position. But Oots on one of the kickoff returns did a really nice job for Jameer Gibbs in leading the way. And then he had a really nice block uh, sort of in a pulling counter action there later in the game. So, look, it wasn't earth-shattering stuff, but it is improvement from a young player. And we like to note that not only with Kendrick Hall, but also Robbie Oots. So, But again, explosiveness from not only the wide receivers in the win over ULM, but you had a very nice sequence there from Cameron Latou where you know he catches the 38-yarder. That's a hell of a nice grab and man coverage. And you culminate that drive with the first reception of Amari Nyblak's career 
which goes for a 15-yard touchdown reception there. And also, if we're going to talk about that play, got to talk about the protection there uh, with uh, you know the, the the offensive line doing a good job against that ULM front four and really taking care of business and giving Bryce time to get it back down to. Amari Nyblack. And I thought, you know, the two minute opportunity for Alabama was very important there at the end of the second quarter because the offense had kind of gone back into this second quarter slumber that we had seen uh, last Saturday in Austin. And so Alabama gets the ball with two minutes and change there left and got to go 93 yards and they do it in just six plays. And a lot of that, again, had to do with the tight ends. So not anything that I felt like Alabama was maybe in anything resembling desperation mode as far as getting it going, cranking it back up offensively, uh, but still a good thing to see there going into the break there late in the second quarter. So the Alabama offense really kicks it in in the second half where the run game is concerned. You know, when you're scoring like Alabama was there in the first half, on the non-offensive stuff, you're not going to run that many plays. Now, again, though, some of that had to do with some ineptitude there in the second quarter. Alabama just wasn't as effective in the second quarter for the most part as it was early in the game. But uh, the rushing attack there, just 10 carries for 51 yards in the first half, really comes on in the second half. 29 carries, 29 rush attempts after the half for 222 yards. You didn't have any of the first five backs that saw the field, the scholarship backs, essentially. None of those guys averaged fewer than 6.7 yards per carry. Uh, Jamarian Miller, it's late, but he continues to impress there as your your fifth back. You got good stuff out of Trey Sanders, four carries, 35 yards. Didn't like the two penalties you had on Trey there in the second half. But, you know, Jace McClellan, seven carries, 47 yards. Roydell Williams, I thought, came in. And it felt like, or it seemed like anyway, that the rotation was pared down a little bit there in the first half. It was pretty much... Uh, Jace and Jameer. Uh, in the second half, you got more into Roydell and you got into Trey, and then eventually you got to Jamarian Miller, and all those guys had success. And give that second group and change of offensive linemen some credit as well, as they came in and did a nice job. And really, the offensive line was interesting throughout the game because not only was it J- Javion Cohen who gets the start at left guard, but you know we saw Tyler Booker, the true freshman, early in the game, and he didn't just work at left guard in place of Cohen. He also worked at right guard. And you know Nick Saban postgame essentially said, there's still competition going on between three guys for two spots. And that probably helps you feel better, too, about getting Kendall Randolph back more into that tight end mix because you feel like, in addition to Javion Cohen being good to go there at guard, along with Emil Echior, you've got this emerging starter caliber lineman and Tyler Booker that you are more than comfortable with and putting him in there and sort of riding with him. So that's good stuff from Tyler Booker. It really speaks to his future there uh, in the interior of that Alabama 
offensive line. So that pretty much sums it up for the Alabama offense in the game. We did see Jalen Milrow. Really didn't have Jalen throw it around. He are Ty Simpson in the game. Uh, we did see Jalen with a couple of impressive runs once again. Two carries, 42 yards, and had a touchdown actually negated by one of those aforementioned penalties on Trey Sanders. So uh, making plays with his legs, and uh, you know Bryce wasn't really in a position where he had to run as much in this game. So it was very much running back centric, and you know we wrote about it during the week. The 50 plus yard runs haven't been a problem through two games. It's the empty carry sort of between the 50-yard runs. And so for Alabama with those first five backs, you know, to get 12 carries of 10 yards or more, that was impressive, even if it was against inferior competition. It was needed uh, to kind of get that sort of production. I thought Roydell, Roydell to me ran with an edge when he got in there. You know, Roydell came up short on the fourth and a half yard. And I know there was some leakage there up front at Texas on that fourth and a half yard. But I think most running back coaches, and the reason why you see backs do the drills they do in practice footage is for situations like that. You know, if it gets at least semi-blocked, you got to get a half yard in that situation. And, you know, Roydell came up a little bit short, but ran with some authority when he got his opportunities a week later against ULM. So let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Alabama, once again, doing a nice job in a couple of areas where they've been stout to this point of the season. And we'll start with run defense. Pretty good job there. Malik Jackson for ULM. A couple of times Alabama edge defenders lost leverage. And Jackson was able to take advantage of that, including on his 11-yard touchdown run. I think that's what, just the second touchdown run? Second red zone touchdown Alabama has allowed through three games. So that was a little bit of a low light for the Alabama defense. But for the most part, you know, you hold ULM to two yards per carry in the game. Chandler Rogers, the quarterback for ULM, certainly a threat with his legs. Didn't really hurt Alabama very much. And then, you know, you limit Rogers as a passer to right around four and a half yards per per pass attempt. So, you know, ULM's wide receivers really weren't a big factor in the game. And that was something you had an eye on because, again, this situation for Alabama at corner continues to be ongoing. Although, based on their play Saturday, Terry and Arnold, to me, every time out, seems to take a step forward. Kool-Aid McKinstry was solid on Saturday. Maybe the stat of the game from Saturday was that Alabama did not have a defensive pass interference penalty. Now, almost had one, I guess, on Brian Branch, but they got it right upon review that the ball was deflected on the pass attempt. I don't even think it was defensive PI to begin with, but it did show that Deontay Lawson, who rotated in there at weak side linebacker with uh, Jalen Moody, uh, and did some good things. He got a hand on that football, and that wiped away the the PI that that looked like it was going to be called on Brian Branch. But the corners were solid. You know, we got into the second half. We see Eli Ricks check in for Kool Aid uh, at left corner, and then we see uh, I think it was right corner actually, and then we see Kyrie Jackson a little bit later in there for Terry and Arnold. But based on the events of Saturday. I would think the pecking order at corner going into Vanderbilt week 
probably going to be about what it was going into Saturday's game with McKinstry and, and Arnold up top, but ongoing competition on a daily basis there at the cornerback position. Otherwise, for the Alabama defense, once again, a pretty active day for DeMarco Hellams from the safety position. Seems like we talk about DeMarco in terms of leading tackler status on a weekly basis. Uh, DeMarco with nine more stops, six solos in the game. Henry Toa Toa, statistically productive with eight tackles. Uh, two tackles for loss and a sack in the game. You know, Jalen Moody continues to be consistent in terms of his production with six more tackles. Another good football game for Brian Branch with five tackles. Uh, he had the the tackle for loss in the game. Actually, he had another sack for Brian Branch in the game, and also a pass breakup. Will Anderson not totally, totally without penalties, but. Uh, five tackles for Will, another sack, a tackle and a half for loss, and he also had one of those non-offensive touchdowns. Alabama's first takeaway of the 2022 season comes from Will Anderson. Not only that, but Alabama's first defensive score of the 2022 season comes from Will on that deflection that he turned into a interception return a pick six for will anderson so you kind of go through the list i thought you know linebacker uh you you expected to see sort of a an ongoing mix there given the opponent so deontay lawson continues to be a big part of that trio there inside uh the outside linebacker positions with will uh and dallas turner saw a lot of chris braswell in the game on Saturday. So good to get him more and more ramped up as you get into the season. Uh, from a depth perspective, as the game got more and more under control for Alabama, you saw some of those younger guys. You saw a Kendrick Blackshire check in in there. You saw a pairing of Moody and Lawson once again together. So you're working on some potential scenarios in some of those instances with some of those combinations, but able to go extremely deep up front. Alabama really in the first two or three or four series defensively rotating heavily. How about Jaheim Otis with the first start of his Alabama career on Saturday, working alongside Byron Young, and then you come with a guy like DJ Dale, certainly Justin Aboigbe very much in that mix, and uh, you just roll guys in there with Tim Smith. Smith had to leave the game there temporarily, but looks like He's going to be fine, and that's one of the big things, obviously, with a game like this. You just want to get out of a situation like Saturday as injury-free as you possibly can. But a good game for morale in the position rooms across the board, really, but none more so than, say, a position like the defensive line because you've got so many scholarship defensive linemen, somewhere around 13 or so, and based on how the game has become so situational, reps are so precious because you don't typically play three defensive linemen at a time anymore. You play two, and in some instances, like the Dime Rabbits, you got one true defensive lineman out there. So to get guys like Damon Payne in there, Tim Keenan, uh, Jamil Burroughs, um, I think even Isaiah Hastings saw some action, the true freshman, uh, Jamari and Latham, you know, these are a lot of guys that go through the practice week without any real guarantee at all of playing time on Saturday. So this is an opportunity you want to take to get as many of those guys as you possibly can 
onto the football field. We talked about special teams. I don't know what else there is to add to the performance of the punt return unit when you get a punt block. We outlined that in five predictions, the possibility on Friday because ULM had had a punt blocked in its season opening loss at Texas, which interestingly enough was returned for a touchdown by Keelan Robinson, the former Alabama player now with the Longhorns. So it was on tape and it looked like the pressure came from the exact same spot that Texas was able to get home from right up the gut there. And so maybe when you look at ULM too, not so much just even from a protection standpoint, easy for me to say late on a Saturday night, but in terms of get off and the snap times for these long snappers, nothing is left for chance with these analysts and these support staffers. Trust me, There is someone in that Alabama football office that knew exactly what the snap to kick time was for the ULM punt team, and it looked like that may have had something to do with Alabama being able to get home against that punt on Saturday as well. Once again, uh, you just see Will Reichert, automatic, uh, doing a great job on PATs. Those are the kicks you like to see Will attempting the most and uh, just continues to rack them up at a historic pace. Um, you know, kickoff returns and kick coverage return units, pretty good, I'd say, all the way around. Um, not a great day if you're James Burnup in terms of activity as a punter now it was a good day for James Burnup as a holder he got out there quite a bit with uh Will Reichard uh, and able to to do some of that uh for Alabama in the game but punting wise just two punts for James Burnup in the game um 42 yard average a long of 47 and then he had one also downed inside the ULM 20 yard line so again you get everybody just about involved for this Alabama team before you get into SEC play coming up next week. Uh, Again, from an injury standpoint, things look to be pretty good for Alabama in the game. Coming out of the game, that's most important with a situation like this. And we're going to have continuing coverage for you right there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter always doing a great job for us. Kirk McNair, the legendary veteran of the BOL staff also contributing and then recruiting as well because you know you got another home game coming up with Vanderbilt so there's always the likelihood of recruiting news that comes from home game weekends and Tim Watts our fearless site publisher and his guy, Hank South, the veteran recruiting analyst there at BamaOnline.com. They're going to have you covered quite well also. So recruiting coverage, team coverage, all right there for you with us at BamaOnline.com. And, of course, the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. Come hang out with us there at the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Also, if you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online podcast, we would certainly hope you would do that as well. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would be greatly appreciated. Still got some SEC teams trying to get home on this Saturday night. What about Arkansas? At last check, Arkansas had taken the lead over Bobby Petrino in Missouri State. <laughs> 
Went into the fourth quarter down. Bobby Petrino back in Fayetteville on family night at Reynolds Razorback Stadium. But of course, you got Florida and Gainesville at last check in a three-point dogfight with USF. The Gators trying to prepare themselves for a big matchup at Tennessee. Not a good day for the Auburn Tigers. Woof. Boy, you thought the offseason was tumultuous down on the plains. What's it going to be like following that thumping at the hands of the visiting Penn State Nittany Lions? Ole Miss, very impressive today. 42 to nothing winners over Georgia Tech. Last I saw, it had turned upside down for Mississippi State at LSU. Certainly would be a big SEC debut for Brian Kelly to get the job done against the Pirate and the visiting Bullies. So, a lot of college football action, a lot of SEC action, but when it comes to Alabama, we're going to have you covered top to bottom, left to right, front and back. All right there for you at BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. And until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.